Well, we've had fun being ministers and missionaries, and uh, God put it in our hearts. That's how I got introduced to Shirley. Someone met her. She is a year behind me, and I didn't even know she was on campus, but so I said, oh, there's this new student. She's got a heart for Africa. Well, everybody knew I had a heart for Africa. So we were introduced. And uh, I have to be careful how I talk when I'm in America. I was with some friends, and I said, and we've been together ever since. And they said, no, no, don't say that. Okay, we married two years later. <laughs> so we met in 59 and married in 61. But from 59, we've been hanging out. <laughs> Just her and me. <laughs> Nobody else in the competition. So uh, it's been wonderful to have a wife and family. Amen. You know, we've had some rough times. I guess you could uh, describe it pillaging and two wars. And uh, my wife and Stephanie never said, oh, we got to get out of here. Uh, you know, someone asked me years ago, I said, how do you get out of this place when you, I don't know. I just got in and that's what I was looking for, way to get in. And uh, so travel from where we are, it's sort of isolated in that part of Eastern Congo. But God's put us there and my wife and daughter. And then he, even on this side, someone else told us this about Melody. Said, you know, we call her and said, you know, they're having fighting war over there. You're where your parents are. And she said, they're okay. Praise God. It's nice to learn not to worry. Amen. Praise God. Well, this morning I want to preach about seeing. And I'll read in Ephesians chapter 1 just parts of two verses, verses 18 and 19. So you can see it there on the screen. I'm reading Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. Paul saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, we're talking about seeing, which we're talking about the eyes. Well, we know we have eyes in our head, but we're not talking about eyes in your head. We're talking about what Paul's talking about here. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what? There's three what's here, so I'm gonna just, and going on, what are, and then verse 19, and what is? So let's back up and read it again. We have a lot of what's in our life, don't we? What's going on? You can come in a room and two people can be there eating your cake. You know, it's your birthday and happy birthday, Ralph, and they're eating it. What's going on here? Well, there are a lot of things we don't know. I guess they just over, got overcome with uh, hunger and <laughs> eating my cake. Okay, let's go back. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpass passing greatness in the saints toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Well, praise God. I'm glad we can see what we cannot see. If you only see what you see, 
you're in big trouble. You know, you look at your checkbook and the money's around out and you just got two bills and it's time to pay. What's going on? Well, we want to see beyond what we can see. Uh, see yourself healed instead of chronically sick. See yourself succeeding instead of failing everywhere you go. I referred this morning to a missionary friend that saw me in because we succeeded in our second furlough and we met him in Nairobi, Kenya and he was just talking, and how'd it go, Ralph? And so I told him how wonderful it was and big-eyed, you know, he said, and just think, Ralph, your first furlough, you were a failure. Well, I'm glad he saw that and not me. <laughs> if I had looked at my failure, I wouldn't have tried for something 10 times as much and I didn't understand what was going on and then I began to, oh, well, that's what it is. I had a budget of $20,000 my first furlough for two different projects and I got half that much. So in just doing the first project, I had to sell my, the only time I've had a personally owned car in Africa, I had to, you had to get approval for everything, all was approved. And, but someone in our headquarters must have seen that and they wrote a letter to me and said, Ralph, 200,000, you're gonna scare those people in those small West Texas churches to death. I communicated back and I said, I've been presenting it to those small West Texas churches and nobody has died yet. <laughs> and <laughs> we continued and he, but he, here's what he added in the letter. He said, why don't you try for 20,000? Maybe he's remembering my past, which I didn't remember, praise the Lord. But said, why don't you try for 20,000 and then if you don't get it, you won't feel so badly. Yeah, and it'd take me 50 years to do what God <laughs> has put on my heart now. So we stuck with it and I like Ephesians 3.20. He's able to do exceeding abundantly, above, beyond all that you can ask or think. Amen. And so I, when I first saw 200,000, I thought, oh, it's gonna be more. He's gonna do exceeding abundantly. Well, by the time we left and we spent almost five years on the field that time going back and uh, it was $350,000 that God provided. So we built Amen. the Bible school. We helped build churches and roof churches and villages and uh, print books for all three of our Bible school. Ours was the last one to start. And I found out they didn't have any extra books. So I printed enough for us and them too for the next two years. Well, God will help you and you can see beyond where you were, where you have been, your failure. People have gone through divorce and remarriage. You can't remember that bad experience. <laughs> you can only hope for another one. You just see what God's gonna do. Boy, this is gonna be the best. I know this is a realm where we try to stay away from it, but it's a reality. There are people that have been, been through these situations and I can just tell you that God's got better days for you ahead. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your best. What is that I heard? The rest of your life is the best of your life. <laughs> so, seeing. I think one uh, experience that we like in the Bible is the one about Elisha and his servant. 
You know, and the king that wants to come against Israel, Elisha's telling his uh, king about the plan, and so it's thwarted time after time. So the king uh, there to the north says, hey, one of us on the committee's a traitor. No, no, no. Dear king, there's a prophet in Israel and he can tell his king what you're talking about in your bedroom. Oh, that's it. Well, let's get that guy. So they go after one guy, Elisha. <laughs> sent the whole army. And so the servant, he's waking up, you know, we wake up and yawn and stretch. And, and then he sees this, you can cut your yawn off right in the middle. You know, says, look at all these soldiers surrounding Dothan. <clears throat> well, they have to surround the town to get the guy. But we've got a promise, you know. I've seen uh, pillaging, I've seen uh, suffering, hardship in our town, but our towns don't have the promise. We have the promise. He puts his angels around us to guard us, so God was around one man, Elisha. He was safe. Well, anyway, for his safety, he got safety for the whole town, city. So they surround him, you know, and the guy's stretching and, hey, look at all this. And you know, what? Well, he hadn't read from Ephesians, had he? <laughs> what are we going to do? What's going on here? And so he said, and Elisha answered his servant the way Jesus answered uh, Jairus. Just all upset, bad report, she's dead. Don't bother him. No, don't fear. Don't be afraid. That's the first thing. That's the first exhortation. Don't be afraid. If you got fear, you can't believe. Faith and fear do not work together. So what's going on? He said, don't be afraid. And uh, he answered him, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In 1967, we arrived in Tanzania. For nine years, I had desired to go to Africa from 1958. Went to Bible school four years, married during that time, had our children during that time, pastored beyond the years, you know, two-year minimum. We were in pastoral ministry four years and finally approved to be missionaries and made it in 1967. And then, ah, hallelujah. I mean, I remember the first night up country, I went with a missionary to a seminar, and man, I'm just getting up in the night, walking around the house, and glory to God, <laughs> here I am. And then I began to learn that they, some certain ones wanted to kick us out of the country. So, uh, you know, you just got there, all this preparation, all this thought, and everybody loves you. <laughs> everybody don't love you, let me tell you that. So they love your money. One mission group I won't mention, but one of the missionaries told me, said, uh, some in our group wrote us a letter and said, uh, we don't need y'all anymore. Just leave the money and y'all can go. And <laughs> so he wrote and said, when we go, the money goes. Well, some people are just after the money. But there are people that are in real earnest for spiritual things and to go higher and deeper in the things of God so anyway, one missionary told me, said, throw that Swahili book in the corner and we're going to be gone in no time. We didn't throw our Swahili book in the corner. We studied from the beginning before we went to language school. 
And after we went to language school, more then, <laughs> when you start using it, boy, you got to learn it quick. I could speak it, but I couldn't hear it. So I was constantly saying, semitana, semipolipoli, speak it again and speak slowly. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, those, you know, your mind, I got tired. My jaw was tired in the evening trying to, I didn't want to speak Swahili with a Texas accent, and I didn't. But, uh, boy, my jaw was so sore every night just going through that, and somebody would say something, and then I had to think of what they said in Swahili, and oh, yeah, that's what it is in English. And then I had to think my English response and how to say that in Swahili, and so I answer them. But after about a year, I began to speak without reading from a book. And I think, people ask us, and I think it was two years before we were thinking in Swahili. And you didn't have to think of your answer in English and put it in Swahili, but if somebody asked me, uh, are you going to the market? You know, it just, it started flowing. So I'm glad I didn't throw my book in the corner you can see yourself chased out of town, but don't affect other people with your thinking <laughs> and your seeing. You can think about the economy. You can think about Trump. You can think about the meeting with Kim Jong-un. You can, you know, I, I, I teasingly say this, you know, you watch the news nowadays, but it's not news, it's just they'll give you a report on the polls. Or they even ask you, would you please write us? and let us know what you think. I don't want people to know what I think. I want to know the news. When Katrina hit, you know, I was over there, and I saw some news in one, uh, uh, what do we call them, an anchor on one of the major stations. Uh, I, I remember seeing him, hearing it, and he repeated He said, uh, we hear that there's, uh, there's racial, racism. Is that the right word? We hear. I thought, we hear, you're supposed to report what you know, not what you hear. <laughs> what do you see? I'll tell you, one time I was driving by a plot where we'd just gotten, we started our church in a building and chased out of there, got another building, locked out of there, and uh, finally got a, a place on a cassava field where they raise cassava, that's English, right? and uh, manioc, whatever word you use here. So we just cleared that out and paid the man for his manioc and put our tent there. Finally, we got our plot. So I was with one of our evangelists one day and we were driving along the street and I pointed over there to this tall grass, you know, just a, a plot of land that has nothing on it. I said, hey, look at that church. Where? I don't see a church. Right there. Then he caught on. Thank God our preaching slowly takes effect. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Aha, I see it. Well, it's there. It took a little while, but it's there. And they've torn down the walls that I built and built it twice as big. <laughs> and it's full. And they have double services. <laughs> what do you see? Pastor's been putting up these uh, pictures, three different visions, you know, just... Church sufficient for 5,000 people, 
you center sufficient to help people inside and outside of the church and, and even for, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't announce this, but I'm just going to tell you since I can cut out part of my sermon somewhere else, this has all of a sudden become really important. It was 10 years ago this month, Shirley and I were in Bujumbura, Burundi. Bujumbura is the capital city of the nation of Burundi. So that's where we were. And as we were being prayed for one night, someone spoke these words. You know, you can have something in your heart, but it just slowly coming into fruition, thinking about a Christian university. He said, you'll build a university and it'll have your name. Uh, you wonder about some prophecies, but anyway, that would make it Hagemeyer Christian University. I've only mentioned this to our board one time. Probably people think, who's going to go to a university named Hagemeyer Christian University? And I don't know that it'll be named that. But anyway, I like the thought for one reason. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a story of Gideon, and when they're going out to win the war, they all got a, a, a machete or whatever it was, and he said, say it for God and for Gideon. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not in this alone, and God's not in this alone. So if some people in Africa, you know, I used to think, God says to Abraham, you know, and we quote things to Abraham, to Joshua, and uh, says, I'll make your name great. I never thought that would be possible. You know, I used to think, you know, starting to preach, I thought, man, if I could have a name like Billy Sunday or Billy Graham, but Ralph Hagemeyer, yuck. But then I remember years ago driving through a village hundreds of miles from where we live and kids playing out there as I pass it. Hagemeyer! <laughs> you might not have known me before this morning, but some people know me. I was in the mountains of eastern Congo, Zaire back then, and I remember a pastor that had walked all day long just to see if I had actually come. You know, sometimes people plan and they don't make it all the way. So he saw, he's one of my former students. He said, okay, I'm gonna go back to my village and tell them we'll all be back here tomorrow evening. So, and one of them I remember standing and saying, there's nobody in all this area that hasn't known the name Hagemeyer. Well, isn't that something? God can bring it to pass. I'm not trying to press upon you the importance of my name. But there are few people that can't even pronounce my name. I remember stopping in the road one time. There was a flash flood, and I had to wait till the water went down. And this go-go lady, that was the tribe where we were, this go-go lady walks up to the window and sees me and looks in and says, Hagemayo! That's, that's Hagemar in Chigogo. Well, I... <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Let God put it together. Let God put your life together. Put your marriage together. Put your plans together. You've got a success story that's never been written, but it's up to you. It's according to what you see. I see a lot of the enemy. But Elisha said, open his eyes. Pray to God for this servant 
said, open his eyes that he may see. Well, he could see. He wasn't blind, but he couldn't see with his heart. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. What did he saw? <laughs> he saw the host of heaven. Hallelujah. God is called, you know, he's got different names, 365 different names of God in the Bible. One that is most often mentioned is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. Oh my, he's got all the angelic hosts for you and he's got the church. Well, you know, you hear about people, you know, they're in distress and then months later somebody says, what's going on with you on August 7th and certain time and they check it out. Somebody that hardly knew them or they didn't know them, but they knew God and they prayed God put somebody else on their heart. Hallelujah. God can put it together. <coughs> Seeing. It changes the way you see things when you let the light of God come into your innermost being and you see with the eyes of your heart. Noah had never seen a flood. Noah had never seen an ark. It's called an ark, whatever that means. It was not a boat that you don't made so it'll penetrate the waters as it traveled. It wasn't made to travel. It's just made to float and save lives. So here he is building a boat that's like two uh, football fields in length, something like that, I can't remember. And wide, it's as wide as a football field. And talking about a flood, what's a flood? Nobody ever saw a flood. But he saw enough to do what God told him to do and he saved the world. Him, his wife, his three sons and their wives and that's where we all came from came from Adam originally, but then the second time just from Noah and his family. Hallelujah. Just because one man saw what he could not see. Let me give you a little illustration. Uh, I'm not a boatman, but God gave us a cabin cruiser in 1995. So they're on Lake Tanganyika. Bought it by the time we got there. Don and Lisa Carroll, they're both very experienced in boats. Lisa's father was captain of a ship and, and Don grew up with boats and motors and know-how, mechanical skills. and So they just, hey, y'all operate it. And so uh, when we needed it, they came from Kigoma, Tanzania to us. And on that side, they used it for medical missions up and down Lake Tanganyika on the Tanzania side. But they returned to the state, so in somewhere late 95, I went and got the boat and brought it to our side. I've never done, you know, I've grabbed the steering wheel or something, I don't know if I have, but uh, here I am for the first time getting in a boat to go back down the lake overnight. And, uh, you know, I've read a little bit, you know, about trains, you can't just stop on a dime, even though they have brakes, but they've got tons and tons and tons, and nowadays 100, 
They've gone to 150 wagons loaded. You got four engines? Hey, listen, those 150 uh, loaded uh, wagons can push four engines at top speed. You know, <laughs> so they got to plan everything in advance. And boats on the water, ships, <coughs> most of their brakes is the water. They just have to turn down the speed in advance or they'll crash into the port. So here I am, I'm getting on. We got two V8 engines and so we got uh, two, what do we call it, rudders. I'm forgetting my words. But anyway, I get in there first time and I'm right at the port, docked. Ahead of me is just a bunch of, uh, uh, what is it? We, uh, reefs or something, but I want to go right. I'm used to cars, you know, you just turn the steering wheel and you go right. Don't work on the water. <laughs> so here I take off, you know, and I'm turning right, but I'm going straight ahead. And then I was trying to hit the brakes. Doesn't have brakes. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Some of you are about it. You know, my pastor, he, he was so wise in his responses to people uh, I said, Pastor, you don't know anything about mechanics. He said, yeah, and you don't know anything about the Bible. You know, we're in different realms. <laughs> so, somebody asked him one time, said, is it your church that believes in backsliding? He said, no, but some of our people do it anyway. <laughs> well, here I am, I'm wanting to go right and it's going straight, so we gotta stop before we hit the reeds. So uh, we didn't get away that evening. But that night, I'm just thinking in my mind, hmm, two engines, I need to go right. That means I've got to give acceleration to the left engine and not to the right so that it turns, you know. This side will push over that way. And then, hey, I learned all on my own. Nobody taught me. I just saw the picture. And I could see what I did wrong and what I needed to do to get this thing over to the other side. What do you see? You can see yourself failing every day. There are people that have bad, bad habits and they just never break them. They never see themselves breaking. We want to appeal to you today. You know, if you're lost, you might think, I'm just, this is the way I am. Start seeing yourself as different. Start seeing yourself as your wife would like to see you. Your children would like to see you. Yes, I can be that one. I can be a conqueror instead of giving in. I had a friend years ago, I mean, he fought. We don't preach smoking cigarettes as an eternal sin, but it'll sure get you to your grave quicker uh, than I'm going. <laughs> and... There are other things that will help you to live longer, you know, like kissing your wife before you go to work every day. I don't know where they get their statistics, but the man who kisses his wife before he leaves the house to go to work every day will live five years longer than the man that leaves without kissing his wife. I can get a picture of that. The guy that leaves without kissing his wife, he's grumpy. Hell, I'll see you tonight. Hell. 
Well, it might not just be the fact that you did or did not kiss your wife, but something's wrong inside. And if you'll kiss your wife, it means you love her and she loves you, she's responded. And so there's something in the overall thing that'll get you extra years of life. Shirley and I, we heard that 30 some odd years, we've been kissing more. (laughs) Maybe we can get 10 extra. (laughs) For all of you foreign viewers, this is an American. (laughs) We're glad to have you today and we hope that you'll get this message. Even in Africa, other places, things you've not learned you've not become accustomed to, you can learn and find out it's a better way of life. It's not because it's the American way. It's because it's God's way. Hallelujah. And it works. Well, praise God. Never seen a flood, never seen a floating vessel but he built a thing that would float and save the world. Let me read from Hebrews chapter 11. This is one of my favorites. Has a lot about seeing. From very, uh, the very first verse. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, now faith is the assurance of things you hope for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay, you can't see it, but faith proclaims that you do see it. See that church? Well, you can go that same street today and you'll see the church, but it started just with a step of faith. The project we had before that was to build a small building. It's about five miles from the town. Now it's inside the town as the town has grown around it. And uh, I thought about building with mud block. That's cheap, just mud and water. The ladies will bring the water and the guys will dig up and stomp the thing, make it mud, form them in a little wooden thing, set it aside. See, man, I thought about building that building just mud brick like I saw them doing. But then one day in the shower, not in church, not at the concluding prayer, I was in the shower. I got out, I was drying off and all of a sudden just cement block. Good enough. (laughs) That's my answer. That's what I saw. We're gonna build with cement block. So we started building with cement block Concrete floor, metal roof, and it still stands today. Next year will be 50 years since we built that building. <laughs> and I'm not even a builder. <laughs> Cost $1,100. You might think, ah, that's peanuts. That's what some people express. That's just peanuts. Back then, for me, it was $100,000. When you have nothing and you just start, you just start, and it happened. It happened. You know, we read in the Bible, and it came to pass. What came to pass? What God said, 
what he prophesied, what the prophet said, it came to pass. It happened. Hallelujah. What do you see? I saw us building a, I mean, we had glass windows in there. We, oh my. 20 by 50 foot building, $1,100. Can't do that anymore, so we can't take on faith projects of $1,100. Now it's in the millions. Did you hear me? Millions. <laughs> and I'm amazed. My daughter's over there left all alone. She's never said a word. We're just expecting the millions that will come. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter, verse three of chapter 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen <coughs> was not made out of things which are seen, which are visible. So what you see didn't come from something that was seen. God started with nothing. And it happened. And I'll tell you, you can put your, uh, I wonder if there are people here that are renting and you'd like to own your own house. Can you see you having your own house? Can you see yourself with a plan? You know, do this, step one, step two, step three. I mean, there are practical uh, parts of this solution. And then there, yeah, just pure faith. God's gonna put it together. I mean, <laughs> I laugh. I laugh so much. I see television, you know, they're always advertising gold and silver. How much are you gonna need for retirement? I don't know, I never figured it up. <laughs> I've already passed retirement, so <laughs> if I was gonna sink, I'd already be sunk. <laughs> but it shows how, put your investments in gold, put it in, I couldn't buy one of those gold coins. <laughs> I'm not putting my faith in gold and silver. Amen. Somehow I got uh, messed up. When I was 14, I got saved and started hearing the Bible. And I just, you know, the Bible's all that controls me. One guy, you know, with drugs and, and things, his mind was just messed up. But then he got saved. And so after he got saved, full of the Holy Ghost, somebody asked him, what do you think about this? He said, I don't know, let me check and see what I think. All my thinking comes from the Bible. <laughs> so you read the Bible, this is what I think. No weapon formed against me can possibly prosper. Hallelujah. Let's get back to Hebrews 11. This might get better. Verse five, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. What are you seeing? Some people see death long before they should. They see themselves dying. They see themselves, oh, you know, and some people believe you're gonna have to die in the hospital. Shirley and I were talking recently. I, I have no thought of us deteriorating we're just gonna one morning not wake up. We will go to sleep in Jesus. Amen. I don't wanna go any other way. Amen. I can't prophesy, I don't have a, a prophecy, but I'm telling you, I don't have to see myself deteriorating, cancer eating me up, destroying my life, 
choking me out. I love Charles Krauthammer as one of our conservative commentators, but boy, he was so cool. This week they were reading his last letter, you know. They've given him up to cancer return. It's aggressive. Few weeks he'll be gone. Well, it's very admirable. Admire the guy. But don't let him be your pattern. You know, somebody say, well, that's the way so-and-so went. That's the way so-and-so. My pastor died in a hospital. That doesn't mean I need to. And he was a great man of faith, okay? We don't preach testimonies. One time I was trying to talk to a young college student. Sometimes you can get through. <laughs> and so he's telling, but my, wife, my mother was a great woman of God. And she, you know, and he told her a story. He said, Dan, we don't preach your mother's testimony. We preach the Bible. God says he's the Lord, our healer. Okay, somebody didn't, and great. And I admire them, and I, I, won't, I won't speak uh, badly of them. We've had men of God, men of faith, preaching faith. And they died early, and that's not the testimony that we preach. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Nothing's halfway or no or can't do that, uh-uh. <laughs> no, God's saying yes, yes, yes. I'm just preaching to you about seeing. Amen. You've got a life ahead of you. See yourself succeeding. There was a time, and it hadn't been too long ago, I thought, I'll never own another new car. You know, when we started in Congo 30 plus years ago, and uh, Rama gave us money. I was able to buy two brand new Toyotas. One was a double cab pickup. The other was a Land Cruiser. And uh, But then since then, we've been buying used cars. Used cars, used cars. We've done overhauls on some of those used cars somebody fixed up for sale. But all of a sudden, when the economic downturn came, 10, uh, no, eight years ago, it's in my testimony, eight years ago, we had a downturn on income. We're on our fourth brand new car purchasing since that time. Wanted to purchase, paid it off. <laughs> then we borrowed money and paid for the second. It was for somebody else. And then the pickup, some of you, many of you have seen our blue pickup. A few more months, we'll pay it off, and then we're going to ship it to Africa. I thought, I don't want to buy more used cars that I have to have an overhaul in the next six months. So God has helped us. What do you see? You see yourself never getting ahead, never getting on top. Clock, clock. Please vanish. I'm going to cut some of this out. I had a dream some years ago, 30 plus years ago. We were living in Lubbock, Texas after leaving Tanzania before going to Zion. One night I had a dream, a bad dream. Man, I saw these uh, German shepherd dogs, and I mean, they're hanging their mouths open, and they were coming after me, and so I turned, I'm running, but I could just feel them ripping my calf. They're just ripping the flesh. And I woke up, just a dream, but just a dream. 
I was breathing, breathing heavy and my heart was beating. Okay. I'm real Okay, it's just a dream. I just go back to sleep. But then somehow I thought, you can go back to sleep and that dream will continue. So I thought, I gotta change my dream. So in that moment, before I went to sleep, I saw those two dogs and I'm calling them. Come on. They came up close, you know, and I'm scratching their ears just like I did back home when I was a youth. And I went to sleep and I've never had a bad dream since then. I don't know if that's a cure for your bad dreams, but I'm telling you, (laughs) in life, it's just one simple little illustration to tell you whatever you're seeing, change what you're seeing. Start seeing. Some people think nobody likes them. I don't know if I ever went through that, but I just had this bad habit of thinking everybody likes me. (laughs) I don't know if they do or not, but... Change the way you see things. Change the way you see situations. You got bad habits. You got things. You know, I, I, I look back often to the um, fruit of the Spirit. And it's easy for we don't love, joy, peace. I like the last one. Control. You know, that's a fruit of the Spirit. We should have control over our diets, over our talking, over our thing, over our television consumption. You know, when I was a teen, I got saved. I quit watching TV. Just zero TV for me. Go to Africa, come back, and then somebody loaned me a television while we were on furlough. Bless their hearts. Well, it was nice. I'd travel, and Shirley and the girls were at home. One night I come in, we're just relaxing on the couch watching a program, and it occurred to me, huh, I quit watching TV. I didn't make a vow. I needed to. As a youth, it controlled me. If I watched one program, that showed the preview, and then you want to see, well, let's see what, and then once you get started, then you got to watch till the end, see how it ends up, and so that's why I quit. And now I think, well, there was a time when I needed that, but I'm in control now. I know how to turn the knob off. So I, I watch TV. I watch news. I watch videos. But I'm in control. And if you're not in control of your life, God wants you to be in He wants the Holy Spirit to be so strong and mighty in you that you can Turn it on, turn it off. You can go, you can stay. You don't have to go with the crowd every day. You can do your own thing. Some people go, oh, he's just a loner. Be a loner. Dare to be different. See yourself saved. You're here in this service this morning. You've never accepted Christ. Saying, I just, I've got all these bad ideas. See yourself changed. See yourself being different. See yourself as your wife would like to see you. As your children would like to see you. See yourself changed. See yourself healed. There are people that, you know, they accept chronic sickness. 
Pastor, every year I get it. Every year it comes along. I'm one of the first ones to get it. I have a friend that was in the store one day and he just coughed or something. <laughs> and the proprietor in the store said, oh, you're catching a cold? He said, no, I think I'm catching a healing. <laughs> Start catching healings instead of catching colds. <laughs> Dare to be different. See yourself different. Rise to where God wants you to be. 